Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Welcome back to a Friday episode of uh, Cannell and Bell. Can you, is something wrong with your IB? Mine? No, oh, you're I good. Okay, well, yeah. Why? You're so yeah, there's something going on here. So, but, but welcome back. Good to have you. Um, yeah. I got this echo going on. We got a lot to talk about today. Where you yeah. want to start? Happy Friday. Let's start uh, with bowl season. We're going to get to the national semifinals. You know, in HQ, we've got guys at the Cotton Bowl and Orange Bowl. But I got to real quickly talk about last night. I laid some money down on the under between Wisconsin and Miami, oh. which I hit. I almost took Miami, though. I hear you're a Miami guy. What, what happened? Um, listen, I w- yesterday I came on here with Pete, and I had Pete sway my decision about whether I was going to take Miami or not. My gut said not to take them. Cold weather. Uh, Wisconsin beat them last year badly. I am off the Miami bandwagon. I'm off. Off? I, I am, look, and I am a diehard for as long as I've lived, like been a Miami Hurricane fan, but there, there's a funk around that program right now, not just the losses, but those kids, they look, they don't look like they're motivated. The quarterback play is abysmal. Um, they didn't quit in the game because they never showed up to play in the damn yeah. game. It was, it was ugly. Too many question marks, you know, quarterback change. And then like the only reason I thought that I would maybe play Miami was because I thought they'd play for Manny Diaz. Obviously, right. Diaz is going to leave and he decided to stay. So I thought, you know, they would bring the effort, but man, um, at least offensively, it wasn't even close. No, it looked like the defense, they got punched in the mouth quick, but then they stood up. I thought they did have a little bit of backbone for Manny, but then, I mean, like you can only be on the field for so long, right? And then, yeah, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, no, it worked out well, and so the pinstripe bowl doesn't go uh, well for the U and the Badgers, which had a disappointing season, at least caps it off uh, with the win in that pinstripe bowl, 35-3, yeah. um, and the under hit, uh, which was closed at like 45 and a half. All right, so college football playoff. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks, and it's almost here, and we'll start with the one that's not far from us out here in Fort Lauderdale, and that's, uh, you know, the Orange Bowl between Oklahoma and Alabama, yep. and right now the Crimson Tide, 14-point favorites, two touchdown favorites. I actually played Alabama. I rarely play favorites. Uh, I usually like to take the dog and some points, but yep. I really like Alabama in this spot, and that Oklahoma defense just is not really good. I'm curious to get uh, your thoughts on this one. Right? Yeah, man. I, uh, You know, if, if Oklahoma had a, a decent defense, like if they had a like just subpar defense, not a sub-sub-subpar defense – I take Oklahoma because I think they can score a lot of points. Um, and with a 14 point spread, I'd probably go with that, but I'm with you. Um, and yeah, I really don't care if they play Jalen Hurts or if they play Tua. Like you can make the argument that if they play Jalen, it would actually be more of like a recipe to win against Oklahoma because you'd have to pound them more, you know, and they're so soft up front. So, uh, yeah, I don't care. I don't care who plays quarterback. None of that's of any, uh, importance as it pertains to this game. I'm taking Bama with you. Yeah. And that, uh, over-unders dipped about 77 and a half. I kind of like the first half under at 39. I think maybe both teams, uh, will come out, get that little bit of feel of each sure. other. And if anything, if Oklahoma is going to bring out their best defense, it's going to be the first few series. And then after that, I have no confidence after that about, uh, about what's going on. So, uh, that's a look at the Orange Bowl. Again, Bama, two touchdown favorite on that one. Then there's the Cotton Bowl. Uh, out in Arlington, Texas, in Jerry World, where you got Clemson, 12 and a half point favorites, uh, over Notre Dame. And in this line has been up to 13, has been bet back down about 12 and a half. You get the news about Dexter Lawrence there, Raja, but if there's one position that Clemson is loaded, it's defensive line. And so even without Dexter Lawrence, um, how do you see this game going? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I actually think Notre Dame 
is going to be in the ball game. I don't know that they beat Clemson, and this is just guy. I don't know why. Like I don't break down football like that, but I think Notre Dame, having watched them play, uh, I think that they will be in the ball game. And uh, yeah, you're you're right. It's kind of like the Alabama effect where they just reload on the defensive line. So I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in that. I just think with Ian Book. You know, at quarterback, some of the things they were able to do offensively. I think they'll have some success against Clemson. Um, Clemson may wind up being just too much for them across the board, but I think it'll be a better game than people are giving the credit for being. Yeah, this will be interesting. I took, uh, so I like taking dogs. I actually took Notre Dame plus the points in this one. I think Ian Book can throw in, and if there's, we talk about the defensive line, if, if they can keep him upright, he can actually maybe exploit a little bit of the secondary that the Tigers, uh, you can take a little bit of advantage of that. Um, real quickly though, before we, we talk about quarterbacks here, True freshman Trevor Lawrence. This is why he came to Clemson. This is why Dabo Sweeney made the change yeah. to have him. What do you think the true freshman is going to be feeling in this game here? Uh, that's going to be a lot of pressure, but by all accounts, like he's a really smooth and, and cool customer. You know, he's been five star from the time he was like in ninth grade, I guess. So, so to some degree, he's not, he, he's used to that big stage. Like this shouldn't be something that kind of smacks him in the face, but you are right. And it's an interesting story there because, you know, you ran the other guy out of town. And this was the reason he was brought to town to win. And Danny's been on here on this show saying like his caveat for Clemson having a chance to win the national championship was if Trevor Lawrence was the guy. So we'll see. Like he stood up to the test so far. This is a different animal. I think he'll be fine though. I think he'll come out and, and play a good game. All right. So let's get back to the other game over the Orange Bowl. And, and, and look, it's a star-studded quarterback affair, Tua Tagovailoa and Kyler Murray. And for Kyler Murray, look, this may be his last college game and we think, and maybe Last football game because he's got a decision to make. Of course, uh, two sports star drafted by the A's, ninth overall, got about a five million dollars signing bonus. Right. Jeff Passan at Yahoo saying not so fast here because now he is projected as a top ten pick, and with that comes a lot of money, double than what he would get in terms uh, of a, of a signing bonus and some guaranteed money. So, Raja, you played pro ball. I don't know if you ever had a decision to make. I don't know. Certainly if you, did if not. You were better <laughs> in high school in one sport than the other. But if you were in a position here like Kyler Murray, where would you go? What would you do? Well, I th- first of all, I think he played it like he played it just right. Right. You take the five mil, you come back, you see what you look like on the football field. If you're not very good, you roll it back into baseball. Um, but you hit right. And now, you know, I this is a big game for him because this is you know obviously against Bama. You do this against Bama. Uh, you, you become a different type of quarterback, kind of. Like, that was the talk about Deshaun Watson. Remember, like, there were the kind of people sitting on the fence, but then you could always fall back and say, look, he just eviscerated, like, Alabama twice. Like, he's the real deal. So you stand up, you go to work against Bama, whether you win or lose, yeah. uh, and you are sitting in a situation where you could be capitalizing on, like, high-level first-round NFL money. And, you know, I guess it comes down to what you love more, Tommy. Like, you know, like, it, where are you going to be the happiest day-to-day going to work Throw the money out the window. Like, if you're that good, you'll, you'll have a second contract in either sport, hopefully. So then it becomes, like, quality of life and what you really love to do. What's your passion? What do you think about the argument or at least the conversation about the path to the pros? Because this is where it's different. Basketball and football, you get drafted as a rookie, especially where you're at either lottery pick or top ten. You're kind of coming in right away. Yeah. Baseball, you got to go through the minor leagues, and it's a bit of a drudge to get there. So we were talking about, because we were, producer Coke and I were talking about sort of the path. So Chris Trapasso, one of our expert uh, draft guys, mm-hmm. didn't even have Kyler Murray's top 100. Had, like, eight quarterbacks ahead of him. Now it's pretty much... Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray that we think the first two quarterbacks to go. If you, again, had that situation in front of you, possibly like Baker Mayfield, and actually all the first-round picks that we've seen in the NFL got some playing time, or i got to go through the minors for at least maybe two years, double-A ball, triple-A ball. Dude, for me, it's a no-brainer because I don't love baseball. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I but this all speaks to like what you love to do, right? Because if you're a baseball guy and you've accepted – 
that that's your path to the pros and you just, you, you love, uh, that game, then it's not going to really affect your decision because you don't mind going to the minors for whatever said time you have to be in the minors before you become a pro. That's your passion. That's what you love to do. If it's a 50 50 proposition where you can't really choose, like my young kids at 10 years old, you ask them, they can't tell you whether it's football or basketball, then that's a no brainer. Then you go play football, right? Because you know, you're on the, you're on team planes already. You're staying in five star hotels. Like you get all of the perks that come with being a big leaguer off the bat. Uh, but there are some guys that just love one sport more than the other and Kyler hasn't come out and said it yet so I don't really know yeah that's the interesting thing again forget projecting what we think the career will be like just the situation in front of him he's got either five million that he's got already in pocket or the uh projected 10 which is what you know Josh Rosen got it's interesting because when we were talking about the athletes that have that situation in front of them most recently Jeff Samarja yep. Notre Dame decided to play baseball just because being a pitcher you're going to make a lot more money and he's sure. going to be, maybe be a tight end maybe he wasn't going to be very good um yeah Drew Henson which was a quarterback and then Tim Tebow of course Tim Tebow did the football thing before now trying to do the baseball thing it, it's it's an interesting decision and and boy the nice thing at the end of the day if you're Kyler Murray options. as in life it's nice to have options, options man and Ky- look Kyler you know at 59 with the quarterback position changing now in the NFL like uh, roll the dice, like what? Like roll the dice, like who was it? John out? Did John Elway get drafted? But like both, but yeah, like roll the dice, see, see what happens. Like you know, make your decision, sleep on it. Uh, but again, look, if it's fifty fifty, you don't, you, you can't tell me which one you love more than the other. You're gonna be drafted high in the NFL. I'm playing 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 play, play football. Kyler Murray, an attractive uh, prospect, pro both baseball and football. His head coach. An attractive yeah. candidate for a lot of NFL gigs. Lincoln Riley, of course, the more success you have, the more phone calls you're going to get from the NFL. The one thing that I have a bit of a pause is that everybody likes the, the Lincoln Rileys of the world, Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, but these guys actually had NFL coaching experience as assistants. Lincoln Riley doesn't really have that. Does that give you any concern? Uh, not really. I think if you've got head experience you can translate that from college to pro now it's different uh but but you could you could translate that because you know just to some degree like nba is different like you're having to deal as the head dude with the personalities in your locker room every day there's only 14 13 of them i think with the nfl you're a little bit more removed you have a lot of buffers in between you and the people so you know if you were more of a, a younger man's type of person i don't know that it would affect those relationships as much as it would in basketball so i don't worry if you got head job experience i'm cool with that um you know, there's some things to factor in. Like, I think it's easier once you've got it rolling in college to keep it rolling. By all accounts, he's got it rolling now. You're talking Baker Mayfield. You're talking Kyler Murray. You're talking about, you know, college playoffs two years in a row. You've got more five stars loaded. You've got that thing up and rolling. It would have to be a unique, like, special situation in the pros that I'd walk into. And it would have to be a lifelong, like, dream of mine. Otherwise, I'm probably staying in Oklahoma. And, and then you got to factor in what kind of guy you are, right? Like, if you're a... You know, some guys are big city guys. Some guys are small town guys. Some guys, you know, I'd probably rather be a college basketball coach than a pro basketball coach just because, you know, I don't like the pro grind. I don't like to be on the road all the time and, 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 and have to be in the office every minute of every day. Not that college doesn't have some of those same, you know, issues, but not on the same scale, right? And so some of that has to come into account too. Yeah. Those are some of the challenges. Like, I mean, obviously in college, you have to recruit. I don't know if Lincoln Riley loves to recruit, but right. he maybe doesn't. That's a grind that the pros let you True. go with. You don't have, I heard you and Pete Prisco talk about, cause you guys were talking about David Blatt a little bit and just sort of the NBA to NFL coach type of thing. You know, the college to the pros things is always interesting because like when a, when a college coach goes to the NBA and maybe he's a hard-headed coach, Lincoln Riley's not. I think he's more of a millennial type of guy that embraces sort of the young players. Like, 
my way or the highway doesn't always work that way. And so if Lincoln Riley goes to an NFL locker room, how much respect do you think he gets right off the bat? Yeah, the cachet is 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 a is an issue, and it can be. But I think that depends on the demo of your team, right? If you got a bunch of like, let's let's use uh, Green Bay, right? Like you got a bunch of Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know this about Aaron Rodgers, like, I, but let's say you've got an Aaron Rodgers, and hypothetically, like he's older, you know, stuck in his ways, isn't like isn't going to be accepting of the change. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but let's say that he, that this is him and you've got four other guys like him and you roll in there and Lincoln Riley's not done anything at the pro level. That's going to be a hard sell. It's going to be a hard buy for those guys. And ultimately, you know, if guys aren't buying in, you won't have success. But in some of these locker rooms where they're younger players, uh, they don't have that much of a resume either, right? Like you're kind of starting on a fresh slate. You're trying to build it together. Um, I don't think that that would be necessarily a problem. So it kind of depends on the demo that you're working with in the locker room uh, when you get a coach like that. Yeah, you mentioned Green Bay. It's interesting. Everybody's like, oh, well, you just pair him up with Aaron Rodgers and everything. I don't know if it's going to be fine because Aaron Rodgers, it's not like we talked about McVay and Nagy. They have young quarterbacks that have talent but not necessarily the experience. Sure. You got a guy that Aaron Rodgers has seen it all, and if you're Lincoln Riley, if you at one point, I'm assuming, you know, you, you, you feel out each other out, you meet and say, okay, we're on the same page, but any chance you're not on the same page or the first audible that Aaron Rodgers does, how does that work? How does Lincoln Riley feel? How does Aaron Rodgers feel? Yeah, that's a – look, when you're talking about younger quarterbacks that most people think are really good. You're not talking about guys that have GOAT attached to their name. And there are people that would put, like, to, uh, like Aaron Rodgers in the conversation for one of the most gifted quarterbacks of all time, whether that's right or wrong. They would – once you reach that level, you're dealing with a whole different animal in terms of personality, in terms of expectation, in terms of like belief in what they think is right versus what you think is right. And you'd be naive not to take that into account when you're bringing somebody into a situation. And, you know, everyone wanted to know whether Aaron Rodgers should be involved in the quarterback. I mean, the head coach surge. If I am a, a potential candidate there, I want to sit down with Aaron. Yeah. Like, I need that. Like, it work. Well, I don't want to talk to the general manager. I don't want to talk to the owner. I need to sit down with Aaron Rodgers. He and I are going to have a meal, a beer, and we're going to chop this thing up. I'm going to have a couple beers with him because I want to know exactly what starts happening Like when he loosens up and he's not giving me the company, you know, towing the company line because right. that's your future if you're Lincoln Riley or any other you know coach coming into that organization. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Warriors struggling right now. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green struggling right now. We actually have Clay Thompson. So this was before the game on Thursday because coming off that Christmas Day game, yeah. Clay Thompson shooting like a career low from like 33%, and he addressed some of those issues when asked about reporters on Thursday. What is someone going to tell me about my jump shot that I at this point? Unless it's Reggie Miller or Ray Allen, I don't know who I'm supposed to listen to. Larry Bird? Uh, Steve Kerr, I'll listen to Steve. Steve shot 45%. But other than that, it's like, I've done this job for a long enough time. I know what I need to do. So he was saying, wow, half shade to his own coach. He said Steve was about 45, but yeah. it was Reggie, Ray, <laughs> right. come talk to me about shooting. Yeah, I don't think that anyone really needs to be talking to Clay about shooting. There's nothing to talk about. His stroke is as pure as you've seen in the NBA, point blank, period. He's just going through it right now. Sometimes shooters get in this, you know, I know he doesn't want to call it a funk. It's not necessarily a funk in your mind as a shooter. You're just not making shots. Uh, you know, I tell young kids, look, you, you go out there, what you're looking for, 
is your form to be consistent. You're looking for repeatability, right? Repeatable motion. And if you can do that, sometimes it'll go in, sometimes it won't. You just have to keep shooting. Eventually, shooters wind up where they're supposed to be. So if you're a 40% shooter or you're a 45% shooter, you miss 9, 10 in a row, the chances of you making the next 7 or so are pretty good. Like They're going to average themselves out. You talk about that shooter shoot, that's the old saying, right? And we talk about process. And you say you want the same process, and then you can live with the result. But are you seeing anything that Golden State's doing offensively that makes it a little bit harder for Clay to get those shots? Um, you know, I haven't really pinpointed anything. I, they're running some of the same stats. Like I stole, I stole some of them for our high school kids and our and our youth kids. So I, I actually did see them running some somewhat similar sets. But people start to get a bead on what you want to do. They start to figure out within those sets um, what what Clay's most successful at, what spot on the floor he shoots the best percentage from, and could people be running him off of those or or really locking in and trying to take away his ability to score just off the catch and shoot? Sure, but more like I, I don't think that that's it. That's hard to do over eighty two games to really focus in on just Clay when you've got you know Steph Curry, you got Draymond Fire to put out, and you got KD. So I doubt it's that. I think it's more than anything. He's probably just struggling right now. He's having a, a, a bad shooting year so far. Yeah, we joke about the only team that can really hurt the Warriors is the Warriors, and then there's this video on Twitter that cut when Draymond threw it off of Clay's it's fantastic workout. Okay, and then with Draymond, look, he hasn't always shot the three ball well, but you live with it because of everything else he can do. Um, you're not concerned about Draymond and his shooting, right? Draymond shooting? Yeah. Yeah, I am concerned about Draymond shooting. Draymond, shoot, Draymond shooting is atrocious. Like Draymond, so what the Lakers did to him the other day is, uh, is a recipe that I, I think you'll see more people, you know, employ. Like they just dared him to make shots. They played, they backed off, they played five on four everywhere else. It allowed him to double Steph a little bit. It allowed him to double Clay and double, double, um, KD. And, and you were just daring him to make plays and make baskets. Raja, it happened last night again against yeah. Portland with it was like a five point game and they just left Draymond wide open at the three point line and he didn't shoot. Correct. And I and, and that becomes an issue though. Like and I know Draymond's a really, really good player. Like he's he's a great facilitator. He's a really good point forward. But when you won't shoot and you're like triple guessing whether or not you shoot a wide open shot, that becomes an issue. And there is a funk in Golden State right now. I don't care what anybody says. I said it yesterday on the program. Like I'm not sure that they won't win. I'm not ready to say that they're not the best team and they're not the favorites to win the NBA championship. But there is a funk there and there is the the rest of the league is catching them. They're, they are catching up. They still have the most talent, but in terms of like production and what you're getting out of that talent, the rest of the league is catching up. And the one thing that scares me is the depth. And even though, you know, especially at the center position, because you've got the megastars there, but it's, it's, it's the backups that you have that you traditionally used to have when you used to have Bogut and you had JaVale McGee, and now it's just they're, they're really thin, especially at that position, sometime maybe extending Draymond and some of those other guys. No, it's a great point, um, and I talked about that yesterday too with Pete. Like that That is their Achilles heel right now, and not only at the center position, right? But you touched on two really good quality contributors. You had, like, But even like when they first started and you had guys like Leandro Barbosa coming off the bench, right? And he would come in, he was instant offensive production, which took a lot – a pressure off of those starters when they could go to the bench and know that the second team would extend the lead a little bit. You had Andre Iguodala, who's still a really good player, but he's averaging like five points a game. It's past your expiration date as a player. Like you can be a piece, but you're not the same piece that you were when you won, you know, finals MVP. What was that three or four years ago? Like these are all things that they have not replaced, uh, Bob Myers and company out there in Golden State. And 
I'm not saying that it's easy because you're dealing with like max guys across the board. But when you start to get that thin behind those max guys, you leave yourself open for a whole lot of, you know, scenarios to derail your, your chance at a championship. Yeah, it's just tough with the way the salary cap is. You can always say, Hey, come be a winner, come be a champion, but you're only going to make this much. And for sure. Sometimes it gets a little tough yeah. there. All right, so we talked a lot about the Warriors. Uh, obviously, last year, one of the big contenders was the Houston Rockets. They came off the the season really slow, but, boy, James Harden has took over his, that triple-double 50-point. Man. Christmas balled out. He's doing it again. Now, no CP3. You know, Chris Paul's dealing with that hammy, but but James Harden looked like an MVP again. Bro, James Harden over his last nine games. So last night he had 45, 11 for 26, 9 for 18 threes. Over the last nine games, he's 38 minutes a game, 39 points per game. 44% from the field, 40% from three, just above eight assists and five rebounds. Here's the deal. If James Harden plays like this the rest of the season, yes, the Houston Rockets are a very dangerous team who could be right back in a Western Conference Finals Game 7 with Golden State. Problem is, I don't know if this is sustainable for, for James Harden. He's come out and he said that he's got his confidence back, alluding to like something that would have happened that, that shook his confidence. I, he doesn't strike me as that type of dude. That's great for James Harden. But these are like historic like offensive numbers here. And and I know he might be one of the best offensive players in the game, but these particular numbers, I don't know if they're sustainable. Um, and they've proven this year that if he's not doing this, they're not winning, right? Like, cause defensively they are sieve and that's a problem for them. Not to even mention, um, the, the, the Chris Paul injury and them really needing their own five this year without Chris Paul. So while James Harden, this is fantastic that he's going banana cakes. They need Chris Paul, a healthy Chris Paul, a uh, uh, vintage Chris Paul, to be a really good playoff team. And I don't know if you can trust the age and the hamstring, and, you know, I just don't know. Yeah, they had struggled on CP3, I think, uh, since the most recent injury. You know, because of Harden's heroics, uh, they, they played well. The, the one thing I want to ask you, though, too. Well, before the injury, they were on 5 but Before this no, current no, injury, correct. Yeah, correct, 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 my bad. But, again, yeah. a lot of it had to do with, with Harden going off. Uh, look, he has always been getting grief. We talked about this on the HQ set. There are montages of how bad his defense is from, from prior years. Um, the whole step back thing was five steps. You know, he, he stops in Houston. He ends up taking a <laughs> shot in Miami that fun. Yeah. But how much credit should he get? Cause if the refs are not going to call it, you take advantage of the, of the rules basically. And he is using it probably better than anybody else in the league. Yeah. He is, uh, so Steph Curry and those guys started to reshape the way people taught the game. Right. Like when, when they brought it, when, when they used essentially the seven seconds or less from Mike D'Antoni and our son's teams mm-hmm. with maybe better personnel across the board and they started winning championships, people started saying, okay, this works. Let's, let's play like that. So that was the start of the change from old philosophical like basketball. And James Harden has taken it to another level. Like he's, you know, obviously he's a really bright guy and whoever he works with in the offseason, like I gotta give them a lot of credit too because they find the rules that are exploitable in the NBA and they dial his game in to take advantage of those rules. And it's really brilliant. And it's, it's changed the way kids learn how to play the game. Like kids learn how to make these triple step backs now and awkward off balance, like one tap to your, to your left. Like those shots, I don't, you saw Seth Curry shoot one last night when Steph Curry was guarding him (laughs) where he went double between the legs and then he just took a huge sidestep to the, to the right one taught that when I when I came up. That wasn't part of the game, but it's all because of James Harden, these unique like offensive um weapons to get your shot off. Do you know what I mean? Like to create space to, in order to get your shot off. All of that is James Harden. Or when he gets to the rim, put the onus on the refs to Oh man. And right now, look, we've seen too, and refs don't like to admit it, right? Like when you are a, a top five player in the league, you will get the benefit of the doubt. So if you put pressure on the refs, 
they will give you those free throws, which we saw LeBron and then the, the hands back thing when he was complaining about what the Rockets were doing. Sure. And I, I think, I think as much grief as James Harden gets uh, on social media and stuff, I think he gets a lot of credit for what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. Like innovative, very innovative offensive player and his team. Like whoever goes to, goes to work with him in the offseason, like they do a really good job. So, uh, an NBA rookie that could be a top five player someday out in Dallas. Yeah, no, he's a boss. Luka, that Luka a Doncic, yeah, that rainbow three, uh, earlier this week and maybe getting some comparisons to LBJ. That's not right. Gonna pump the brakes. Yeah, we yeah, 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 pump your brakes. Look up here. He's balling out. Yeah. Look, if you go purely based on numbers, like, yeah, they're comparable for through the first 33 games of their career. But what people aren't factoring in is, like, LeBron was a baby. LeBron, he was a man-child, but he came right out of high school. Um, and it was his first pro experience uh, playing in the NBA. Luka's been a pro now for three years, playing at the highest level outside of the NBA. So, you know, we talked early in the season about, you know, who was going to be the best pro and so on and so forth and whose ceiling was what. And I've been consistent with Luca was going to be the best player this year out of all of that, that whole rookie class because he's been a pro now. Um, he's calibrated his game to pro speed to some degree, even though, you know, it's a little quicker in the NBA. So he's gangster. I'm not taking anything away from him. His ceiling is a lot higher than I thought it might be. I thought he could be challenged athletically. Um, and they're like, he's not even in the same stratosphere as LeBron in terms of athletic ability and whatnot. Um, durability remains to be seen, but he is much better than I thought in terms of athletically. Um, but, but he, there was no question that he was going to be able to come into the NBA and be more productive than most of the other rookies because he's been a pro for four years. That's one of the toughest things, especially for a European player to come in and, and you talked about it, like questions about his quickness and could he adapt? And, and no one ever questioned about his, uh, pro experience there, but as we're looking right now, you know, leading all rookies with 19 points per game is pretty good. No, he's, look, he's, first of all, he's really big. Um, he's a little bit better athletically than I thought. Still not a high level athlete in the NBA, but where you can compensate for not being a high level athlete is being very, very quick and very, very twitchy, like mentally. And he is that. And he does have that in common with LeBron. They are those type of guys that are, seeing the game two and three steps ahead. Like you're coming off a pick and roll um, and he already knows where he's going with the ball if this happens or if that happens. And when you're playing it, you know, as a rookie at that level, like sometimes it takes point guards three, four years to really settle into how to play pick and roll and how to find the nuances in your offense and the craft that it takes to be a really good scorer at the NBA level. He's got all of that already. Some of that has to do with him being a pro. Some of that has to do with just him being really, really gifted in that regard. And so, Look, he is a he is a tough player. You see other pros when they start to come out, when your Draymonds come out and say that he's a boss. Like Draymond doesn't compliment a whole lot of people. Everybody knows. Like the league is on alert. I just pump my brakes in terms of comparing him to LeBron right now. Yeah. So yeah. the statistics are something nice to talk about. Luca enjoying the first uh, thirty three games in the association, and we'll wait and see. Uh, generally, rookies hit a bit of a wall. We'll see how he reacts to that. Yeah. As well, and see if uh, if he can come back. Mark Cuban though probably thanking his blessings that he got another guy because oh. it's been hard for him to get. Guys, free agents to come to town, and so you, you hit on the draft like you did with Dirk, and so maybe the second coming of Dirk working out. Yeah, uh, Atlanta's got to be kicking themselves right oh, now. Atlanta, Real you know, everybody talked about the draft, and we probably would have that conversation for another day. I mean, even DeAndre Ayton, if you were the Kings, maybe you had a shot at Luka. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, but yeah. if you're it's Atlanta, you, you literally you drafted him and then traded him and traded him. All right, so uh, that's a look at Luka and LeBron. <laughs>
Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Tommy Tran, Raja Bell here to talk about Week 17. I can't believe we were at the last game of the regular season, or last week, I should say, um, of the regular season and the NFL. And what they're doing is a little bit like soccer in the World Cup when it comes to group play, is that they're making sure that all these playoff scenarios, Raja, mm-hmm. every game is at least as fair as it can be. So, for instance, the Chiefs-Raiders game was moved to play concurrently with the Chargers game because they want to make sure whoever wins the West that nobody knows ahead of time uh, the Okay. lay down or not. Yep, 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 yep. It's, it's almost like as if, um, and as we take a look at all these games that moved to 425, which I think is eight of them, if you were a basketball player, it's like fighting for that eighth seed, and, in, and instead of having your opponent play earlier in the day, you guys are going to play at the same time. Now, you're still going to do some scoreboard watching. Right. Not about that, but how do you think that would play out if you were in a game and you knew that the other game was going on at the same time? No, that makes it a, a, a more of a even competitive like playing field, right? Because like, you don't want situations where... You know, like, I guess the, the Browns, uh, have the Steelers fate kind of in their hands. They hate the Steelers. And so they're not getting in the playoffs. Let's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't want that scenario. So to the best that you can, uh, affect, you know, the outcome in terms of keeping it fair and having parity in a game, in a situation like this with week 17, I say do it. So kudos to the NFL, uh, cause they typically don't get things right, <laughs> in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. At least through a half, at least through a half. But look, if, 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 for instance, the Chargers see that, uh, you know, the Chiefs have been whooping on the Raiders, then the second half is a completely different. Sure. Story. And that's an interesting thing too, when they, um, talk about, you know, the betting lines and stuff, when you look at games, like who can you trust? Or a lot of people taking first halves or second halves because of what we're seeing here, because you don't want to trust them mid game and see what you got. Like, well, I wouldn't even bet these games. They're like, tough. It would be a hard game ones, to bet, right? Like, so, if you, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, like, like the the Cowboys have nobody to play for. Like, the nothing to play for, nobody to play. So that's why the Giants are like six point favorites. Right. And yet, I would probably. T- I'm not going to play that game because it's a lot of points. But I would take the Giants just because all their motivations there. And yeah. Dallas. So, the ones you do want to go is like Colts and Titans. Competitive winner gets in. Correct. Uh, Vikings, Bears to a lesser degree because you know. So there's a little bit there, but yeah, this week more than most is one I'd kind of. Yeah, you got really got to pick pick through those. Lines, huh? we're a little bit. Funky. So, um, one of those games, and you alluded to Browns and Ravens. We're going to get two of the first round picks from last year's draft, and it's Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. And producer Coco always has this thing where he goes, "Let's be great." Yeah. <laughs> what are the chances you give of this one? Uh, I, I hope it's a show. I think it could be. Look, uh, Baker Mayfield's been fantastic. Like, and, and what he's been able to do, like since Hugh Jackson's left, has even been even more remarkable. The fact that they've got that thing turned around, coming off of what they've looked like in terms of a franchise the last couple of years is really, really cool. And then Lamar Jackson, he's an interesting one because he is winning. And we gauge quarterbacks by by wins, right? But he hasn't really been playing like your prototypical quarterback. It's been more run. Danny seems to think that they'll open it up a little bit more as teams you know, start to adjust to that package of him running the ball um, and they'll get more opportunities to throw the ball. And I hope that's the case because he needs to mature and they need to see if he can play the position with his arm a little bit more. But I think it will be a really good game. Look, the Ravens have all the incentive in the world. You wouldn't think the Browns, like we had the debate yesterday whether it would be more important for Browns fans to be like 500 or to, to like keep the Steelers out. I think the Browns want to win. Baker Mayfield is the type of dude who wants to win every time he touches the field, whether it's in practice or, you know, a game, Monopoly. It does scrabble. It doesn't matter. He looks like he wants to win. So I think you'll get a really good product out there. It'll be interesting. Yeah, the Ravens for the second year in a row have week 17 and they win and they get in. Now last year they couldn't do it against the Bengals. Tyler Boyd had this amazing ending that basically sent Buffalo to the postseason. So again, the Ravens have a chance to control their fate. If they win, they get in, but uh, nobody wants to play the Browns right now. They've been playing well for all those things. Yeah. I think with Lamar too is like right now teams haven't had time to figure that out. And I think 
if ever he starts becoming a passer and mixes that up even 60-40, 50-50, could be one of the more dangerous quarterbacks moves. So I asked Danny this the other day. I'll ask you, and then I want to know what, what you think takes place in the game, like who wins the game. But I asked him, like, how long do you need to figure out what they're doing with Lamar Jackson? Like, real talk, you've had four weeks of it now. And so I'm trying to figure out – like how long before teams like catch on and really make them open it up? But I mean that that's neither here nor well, there. Well, there's only one more regular season plus the playoffs. I think you can try to you know what we've seen too is he's been passing a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Right. Finally hit 200 against the Chargers, that kind of thing. At some point, like we saw in the KC game, the one loss that he had. Yeah. He's going to have to win his arm eventually. They've been playing it close. They've been playing ahead. They've been keeping it within one possession. But if at one point now in the playoffs you're down two touchdowns, yeah, how much confidence are you going to have him starting to sling it around? So For sure. Well, what, how do you think that game plays out? Uh, I, I like I like the Ravens. I think this time they get around. I know the Browns. and Plus the Browns, and I think Pete talked about it, and I agree with him. Uh, or maybe it was Emory that had that. Uh, their schedule, those wins that they've had against soft have been a little soft. Okay. So I just think that the Ravens will, will, will have that. So I think, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree with you. I, and it's not because I think the Browns, uh, schedule's been soft because I don't dig into it like that, although it has been. But, uh, I think the Ravens defensively, I think you're in Baltimore. I think what happened last year, them losing that game, I think they've got all the incentive in the world. I think they come away with the win. All right. So you think Baltimore gets in. That means Pittsburgh. See you later. Yep. So what about Colts and Titans? Who do you like? Yeah, that's a tough one. I like the Colts though. I think the Colts, look, you're talking about franchises that are set up like for the future. Uh, with very, very, you know, good young players, which means they're cheap. Um, then, so you got a lot of money to spend and, you know, things are, they're as hot as anybody in the NFL right now. Defense is sneaky good. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the quarterback position with the Titans. Is Mariota? Is it Cabber? Like, I don't know. I'm going to go with the Colts. I agree with you. I think the Colts, and boy, what a season for Andrew Luck. He's the closest thing to Markel Fultz and that story about his shoulders. Yeah, right? Good, yeah, right? right? I mean, right. yeah, and then he came through, and he's a top-tier quarterback again, and I think uh, he's going to power them through. Th- this is house money for the Colts. Like, you'd know better than me, but I feel like like in, the, in their rebuild, this is like a year ahead of schedule, right? A little like, bit, and I could, because I thought, like I said, like the, the, the uncertainty of his right. shoulder and the way they started the year, and then they kind of come back really yeah. strong. If they can come back now, the, you know, that would be a, a coup for them, and then to see Andrew Luck in the playoffs. Nobody wants to play them. All right. right. Over in the NFC, we know that the Saints, Rams, Bears, Cowboys, Seabucks are set. Vikings and Eagles. So do you think the Vikings beat the Bears? Sunday. That's a tough one because the Bears still have an outside shot at what? Like home at field first round and stuff? By, yeah, yeah. And so you know, the scoreboard watching. I mean, my gut says to take the Bears because like, I don't trust. I don't trust. Uh, Danny's boy, uh, uh Kirk, the, the Cousins. Kirk Cousins. I don't trust him. So uh, my gut says to take the Bears and take the Eagles to whoop up on the, on the, um, on the, the, the Redskins. So yeah. I'm going to take the Eagles, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point or even at the beginning of the game, the Bears kind of, you know, are resting some guys and do what they got to do. And so the Vikings might get in, but I'll take the Eagles. Yeah. I think the Eagles, oh, you think the Eagles? I'm going to take the yeah, Eagles. I'm going to take the Eagles. Bears. Well, yeah. I don't agree with you there. I think, yeah. I think the Vikings will get in. I think the Eagles will win, but too little, too late. Right. By the way, join the, uh, CBS Sports Football Pick'em Challenge and pick against our experts throughout the NFL playoffs. You can run uh, your own pool or compete against guys like Cadell and Bell, guest Pete Prisco, Will Brinson, and others from the Pick 6 podcast. Uh, thankfully, not Danny. <laughs> With his track record, um, that would probably be like really easy up there. So yeah. sign up at cbssports.com uh, backslash pick six. All right, leftovers here on Cadell and Bell. Tommy and Raja with you. So let's talk about a guy that you played for, Larry yeah. Brown. A guy that, you know, he's one of the OG grinders. We talk about Josie Mourinho in soccer. We talk yeah. about Jim Harbaugh in football guys that stay two, three years. Look, he's going to leave, right? Italian club, Fiat Torino, has parted ways with Larry Brown. The team made the announcement. He's 78. He took that Serie A team, just 5-19, and 19, and now 
It looks like uh, he's had 14 career head coaching jobs, including the one in Italy. Yeah. What's your Larry Brown story there, Raja? Um, look, I have – yeah, I do. I love Larry. I do. There was a time when I hated Larry. Um, but, but like, he was just – he's really tough on young players. And he also – you know, he's the type of guy that when he sees you from afar, like, he loves you. He's intrigued. Like, what can I do with that? Like, that looks like something that could fit here. And then he gets you, and he's so brilliant. He's such a good basketball mind. As soon as he gets you, he starts seeing all the flaws that inevitably, like, every player has. Like, we all have them. And they start to wear on him. And so he has you for a while, and then he's got to move on. Like, he's ready to get rid of me. So, like, that's his MO, and he can turn places around very quickly. Like, he comes in, and he's great with, with, with what he does on the court. Uh, he can get your stuff lined up. But there is a shelf life. You know, with, with Larry Brown's style and who he is personally. Um, but for me as a player, my first time around the block with Larry as a, as a young player, really, really tough, especially on his guards. Notoriously hard on PG slash guards. He wanted me to be a PG. I wasn't good enough to be a PG. Um, and so I thought I'd never play for him again. The real talk, I vowed that if he coached anywhere and I was like a, a free agent, that that was not a place that I would want to go. Uh, and then he traded for me uh, in the trade with Boris Diaw for um, – Jason Richardson and Jared Dudley to Phoenix. I would have never thought that he would want me on his team again because I thought he hated me so much. But the second time around, as more of an established player in the NBA, he was great to work with. Like, I had a blast. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What's tougher, being a three-, four-year player for Larry Brown or a three- or four-year AD slash front office guy for Larry Brown? Oh, that 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 is tough because I didn't I don't have the experience. But I, it could be – the front office, the person or the executive that has to work with him because his wheels are always spinning. Like I just spoke about, there's always something that he wants. Like there's always a tinkering. So I'm in, I'm in uh, Charlotte now for, I don't know, half of a season. And now we're talking about the first quarter of the next season. He's already talking about trade scenarios for me. Like, I think you should, you know, you deserve to win a championship. Like maybe we could try to get you to San Antonio. Like, you know, I'd love to see you get like he, it's just the way his mind works. Like he's always on that. So, uh, it'd have to be, Really frustrating to work with him, try to get him all the pieces that he wants that he thinks he needs to be successful. My favorite Larry Brown story, I've been searching for one as I'm rambling here. We were on a plane going to Toronto, 2001 playoffs. Um, everybody had to be on the plane by, let's say, 5 o'clock or the plane was leaving wheels up. I, Alan, if you're late, like we're leaving you. All right. We're all sitting on the plane. It's it's 4.59. All right. Nobody's there. Larry comes up to the front. Anybody seen Alan? Nope. No one's seen Alan. And Larry goes back to the back. All right. Um. 515 comes around. Everybody's looking for Allen. Larry Brown comes back to the front. Has anybody seen Allen? Nope. Nobody's seen Allen. Coach, are we leaving? Goes back to sitting in the back. Doesn't say a word. So at like 545, Larry Brown, I'm, Allen gets on the plane. Larry meets him up in the player section of the plane, right? Ask Allen where he's been, like grilling him. And Allen's like, yo, what, you know, what the hell you want me to do? You want me to do some push-ups or something like that? So Allen Iverson drops to the ground, does like five reps out of push-ups for his punishment in front of Larry. And Larry looks at all of us. And just tucks tail and walks to the back and sits down. <laughs> oh man! All right, we got about 15 seconds, real quick. Who do you like in the uh, semifinals? Cotton Bowl and Orange? Yeah, I'm going to take uh, Alabama, obviously, to win. I think Notre Dame to cover. All right, same thing. Bam on the ball. All right, boom, covered. No doubt, Larry. You know I love you, baby. Canel and Bell. Have a good weekend, everybody. Roger Bell, Tommy Tran. We will see you later.